Uh, last week, as I said, we started into a new series, and we were talking about how your future is in God's hands. Or really, what we're actually trying to, to, to say was, we need to put our future in God's hands. Amen? We talked last week about how the enemy is using fear, worry, and anxiety to keep us from trusting God. Because if fear overweighs your trust, or over, uh, overweighs, uh, if anxiety is the heaviest thing in your life, then you're not trusting God. Amen? Amen? We need to put all of our trust in God. When fear comes, we need to trust God. When anxiety comes, we need to trust God. Amen? When worry comes, we need to take that worry to God, and we need to put all of our trust in our God. We need to trust God with our todays, and we need to trust God with our tomorrows. Amen? Jeremiah 1 and verse 5, it says, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you, God said. Before you were born, God said, I set you apart. Do you believe that scripture? Yeah. Well, that scripture is true, amen? That scripture is for you. Before you were born, before you were even a twinkle in your parents' eyes, God knew you, and he had made provision for you. Amen. When we spend sleepless nights worrying about what tomorrow might bring, the truth of the matter is what we worry about, what we fear about, what we're anxious about, there is a 90% chance that that will not happen. Amen. we got to know that. We spend 100% of our time worrying about stuff that won't happen 90% of the time. That just doesn't make sense, does it? And if it does happen, if it happens to be in that 10% of stuff that does happen, there's a greater chance that when it does happen, it won't be that bad. Amen. It won't be that bad. And even if it is bad, we got to know that God is with us through it all. Amen. And He will bring us through it. Trust God with our todays. Trust God with your tomorrow. God knows your future. He is way ahead of you. Amen. The things that you worry about, whether it be your health or your wealth or your home or your kids or your relationships, you know, God took care of all of those things long and ever before you were even born. Yeah, right. Amen. God makes provision. Any parents here in church this morning? Well, I know the parents in here at church this morning, when you were expecting your kids, you didn't just wait until your child was born before you went and bought nappies or baby grows or bibs and stuff like that. I mean, you had them all. When your baby came home from, from the hospital, you had everything ready. You had the baby grows already there. You had uh, whatever color you, you thought. You had the bibs. You had the nappies. You had the baby food. You had everything already prepared. Because that's what we do. Amen? You have nine months, or praise God, if you, eight months or whatever it is, to prepare for the birth of your child. And you don't just work it out on the, on the hop thing, you know, when the baby is born, say, oh, I got to run to the supermarket, I got to run to Dunn's, I got to run to Tesco's, and I got to buy some nappies, or got to buy... No, you've already done it. Long and ever before your child needs a crash or a, a, a room in the house, you've already painted it, you've already made it ready for them. They may not, not need it for years, but it's already there, the cot is there, the pram is there, whatever else they need, you've already taken care of it. So how would we ever think that our God would take care and prepare for his children any less? Oh, he wouldn't, amen? If we as parents would do all of those things in the natural, I mean to tell you, 
God will have, will have done so much more. Amen? Because our God holds our tomorrows. Amen? He's made preparation for us. You know, God doesn't look at your past to determine your future. Do you know that, don't you? God doesn't look into your past to determine your future. Amen. Religion will have you believe that because of some of the things that you've done in the past, that that has disqualified you for some of the things that you would have wanted to do in the future. That's not the case. Amen. That's just religion. Religion disqualifies people. Religion will disconnect people from a prosperous future, but not God. Amen. That's not the way God does it. I don't know what you've done in the past. I don't know what went on in your past, but your past is in your past. Amen? And with God, God never looks at your past. When you come to God and when you make a decision to follow after God, whether you've done that yesterday or you do it today or whether you've done it 10 years ago, God doesn't go back and have a look and say, well, let me just check to see what they've done a few years back there. Let me just check see what they've done when they were 19. He doesn't do that. Amen? Your past is in the past with God. When you came to know Jesus, you became a new creation. When something is a new creation, it means it's new, amen? Old things have passed away. You are not who you used to be before you came to know Jesus, amen? Amen? Never forget that the enemy is the one who will accuse you. He's called the accuser of the brethren. God wants you to be everything he created you to be. The enemy wants you to remember the things you've done in the past. And if we live our lives remembering the things we've done in the past, we will never achieve what God created us to achieve. Amen? The enemy is a liar. God holds and determines your future. You know the Apostle Paul? He had a bit of a history, didn't he? Amen? He wasn't always a saint. He wasn't always a great guy. He had a bit of a history. Yeah. He was determined in his early days to destroy the church. He set out with determination. I mean, when, when the early church started, Paul rolled up his sleeves and he said, I'm going to sort these lads out. I'm going to make sure that this thing comes to nothing. I mean, he was there when Stephen was being stoned. I mean, he gave his permission for Stephen to be stoned. He was going to the leaders of the synagogue and he was saying, give me letters. Give me permission to go here and to go there and arrest those people who say that they follow Jesus and bring them back here to Damascus and we'll, we'll sort them out here. We'll jail them or we'll, we'll execute them here. And it was on one of those days as he was heading to Damascus to arrest and imprison followers of Jesus that he had an encounter with Jesus that changed the trajectory of his life. And later on in his life, when he was reflecting on his life, he said this in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. He said, For I am the least of the apostles, who am not worthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. You know, Paul knew all the things that he'd done in his past. But he also knew that everything that he'd done in the past was in the past. And he knew now that his goodness that he has now was not because of how good he is. It was because of the grace of God. He said in verse 10, he said, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. If you're allowing your past to affect your future, 
you need to take a leaf out of Paul's book and leave your past in the past. That's where it belongs. Amen? And allow Jesus to direct your future by the grace of God. We've got to look at it this way. Every one of us ran up a huge debt. Every one of us. Massive debt. A debt that in 10 of our lifetimes we could never have paid on our own. But God took care of our debt. Amen? We could never take care of it. But God did. Jesus came and he cancelled all of our unpayable debt. Praise God. Glory to God. Amen? We had a case here in, in Ireland, I don't know whether it was this year or late last year, where a very well-known sports personality had ran up this debt about five or ten years ago, I think it was 10 million euro, bad investments, and he couldn't pay it. So for whatever reason, the bank cancelled it. Praise God, I'd love the bank to cancel my debt, amen, but praise God, this was an unpayable debt. And we ran up an unpayable debt before we came to know Jesus. But when we made that decision to follow Jesus, he drew a line through our debt. Fully paid. Amen? Fully paid. All payments were made for our past sins, for all of our arrears, and he made a payment that include all future payments. Our payments have been paid. Amen? We are saved by the grace of God. That's good news, amen? amen? That is great news. You know the woman caught in the act of adultery? She was about to receive the punishment for her sin, wasn't she? When, remember when they brought her to Jesus? She was about to receive the punishment that was determined and prescribed by the law at that time for adultery. Stoning. She was about to be stoned. She had committed a crime and she was about to pay the price for that sin. She had no defense. She had no excuse. She was caught right there in the very act of adultery. And she, according to the law, was rightly charged. And was about to be rightly punished according to the law. But then they dragged Jesus into the proceedings. Amen? Glory to God. John chapter 8 and verse 4 says, And, and they said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in adultery, the very act. Now, Moses in the law commanded that such a one be stoned. But what do you say? Now, they didn't bring this woman to Jesus because they didn't know what they were going to do. They were ready. They brought Jesus, they brought her to Jesus with stones in their hand. They were ready to stone her. They weren't asking Jesus. You know, can you clarify this first, Jesus, before we stone her? Can you clarify that this is in the law? They knew what was in the law. They were about to stone her. They brought Jesus into this to try and trap Jesus. Amen? Because they tr if Jesus had turned around and said, no, 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 don't stone her. Leave her alone. They'd have said that you're breaking the law. Because the law says, Jesus, she's to be stoned. But on the other hand, if Jesus had said, oh yeah, go ahead and stone her, they'd have said, oh, some merciful, loving, graceful God you are letting this woman be stoned. So they were trying to trap Jesus. But who knows that Jesus never gets trapped. Amen? Amen. Amen. Praise God. He never gets trapped. Here's what Jesus said and did next. It says in verse 7, it says, So when they continued asking him, he raised himself up and said to them, He who was without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. He who was without sin among you, 
Let him be the first one to throw a stone. What an answer. What an answer. Amen. And he stooped again and wrote on the ground. Jesus said, by all means, stoner, go ahead. Stoner, that's what the law said. By all means, he said, you go ahead and stoner. But the one of you without a sin, you'll be the first one to throw the stone. The one of you who has never made a mistake, the one of you who has never made a, a fault in your life, let you be the first one to throw. Go ahead, throw the stone. Here, I'll give you this stone. Here's right beside me here. You go throw this stone out if you've no sin in your life. What an answer, amen? amen? What an answer. You see, God isn't holding your past against you. God isn't throwing stones at you. God is throwing grace your way, amen? He is throwing grace your way. And one by one, they dropped their stones. From the oldest to the youngest, they all walked away, leaving only Jesus and the woman left. You know, the enemy is the one reminding you of your past. Not God. Amen? It's the enemy. He's the one that's wanting to stone you. Amen? God just wants to throw his grace at you. Amen? Amen? Jesus has grace for every mistake you've ever made. Every one of them. He has grace for every mistake. We've got to choose grace over guilt every day. Because the enemy will remind you the things you've done in the past. But you've got to say, well, you know what? Praise God for the grace of God. And that's what Paul was saying. He said, you know what? I, I'm the least of all apostles because of the things I did. But thank God for the grace of God. Because of that, I am what? I am. Verse 10 says, When Jesus had raised himself up and saw no one but the, but the woman there, he said to her, Woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? She said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Our debts are paid. Past debts and all future debts, they are paid. Amen? Praise God. Church, don't let sin keep you from fulfilling what God wants to do in your life. Amen. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1, it says, Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by great, uh, such a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race set before us. Church, sin wants to weigh you down. Amen. The enemy wants to throw bags and weights of sin on you. He wants you to be mindful of all the mistakes you've made in the past, of, of sin, of theft, of, of uh, whatever, whatever sin. He wants to throw every sin on you. He wants to weigh you down with your sin, with your faults, with your mistakes that you've made in the past. God is saying, Lay him aside. Lay him aside. When you come to know Jesus, lay those sins aside and run the race with endurance set before you. How could you ever run the race of life if you're running it weighed down by the sins of your past? Amen. You've got to lay him aside. got to let Jesus take those sins because he's already paid the price for them. You've got to allow him lay him down at his feet. Amen. Don't allow the enemy to trap you into running this race of life, weighed down by the sins of the past. Amen? Verse 2 says that we are to look unto Jesus, 
the author and finisher of our faith. Amen? You know, there's a great saying out there that you can't move forward looking behind. And it is so true. Amen? It is so true. You just try getting to where you're going today looking over your shoulder. You're not going to get there. You're going to bump into stuff. You're going to walk into poles. You're going to walk into walls. You're going to walk into people. Amen? You can't move forward looking behind all the time. We need to keep our eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Amen? We need to stop letting our past failures from running this race that God has set out before us. Ah, but you're saying, you don't know what I've done. You don't know what I've done. You don't know what the things I've done in the past. And you know what? I don't know. And I don't care. Because God doesn't care. Amen? He doesn't care about the things that you've done in the past. Sin has been taken care of by the blood of Jesus Christ. And the problem with some Christians is that they are still chastising themselves over things that they have done in the past. Praise God. You've been forgiven. Amen? Get a revelation of that. You have been forgiven. Now, we don't use this forgiveness as a license to sin. Praise God, we don't. Amen? Because what did Jesus say to the woman caught in the act of adultery? He said, go and sin no more. Amen? We don't use the fact that we have been forgiven of our past sins, our present sins, and our sins in the future. We don't use that as a license to sin. But we use it as a reminder that we don't have to sin. Amen? We don't have to sin. You know, I'm going to tell you something this morning. There's a saying out there used by Christians that I hate. I hate it. You know what it is? And it's such a great saying. So many people use it all the time. And it sounds so, so humble. When people say, I'm a sinner saved by grace. It sounds so great and humble, doesn't it? I'm a sinner saved by grace. And there's truth in it. I was a sinner, saved by grace. They say, I'm a low-down, dirty sinner saved by the grace of God. And I understand what people are trying to say here. But they've got it all wrong. All of us, before we came to know Jesus, we were sinners. But when we came to know Jesus, we were not sinners no more. Amen? When you came to know Jesus, your identity changed. Amen? When we say things like that we are still a sinner saved by grace, what we're doing is we're saying we still see ourselves as sinners. We're still identifying ourselves as sinners. And what we're subconsciously doing is we are permitting ourselves to keep on sinning. That's what we're doing. We're saying that I am a sinner. I'm identifying as something that Jesus said that I am not anymore. Amen? I was a sinner. And I was saved by grace. Do you know what? And you might be thinking to yourself this morning, I'm not sure about that. I've been hearing that all of my Christian life, so I'm not sure about that. Show me where it says that in the Bible. Show me where it says in the Word of God that you are a sinner saved by grace. Can I tell you? It's not in there. It is not in there. Do you know where that saying 
that holy saying, I'm a sinner saved by grace, came from? came from around the 1800s, and it was written as a part of a song by the dean of Moody University in Chicago. He wrote a song called Sinner Saved by Grace, and it stuck. Nowhere in the word of God does Jesus say you're a sinner saved by grace. That is not part of your identity. Amen? Amen. Don't let the enemy be the one who tells you who you are. Who should we let tell us who we are? God, Jesus, the Word of God. That's who we allow tell us who we are. And what does God say about us? He says that you are loved. He says that you are a masterpiece. He says that you are chosen. You are holy. You are forgiven. You are a new creation. You are redeemed. You are a child of the King. Nowhere, anywhere, does God say that you are a sinner after you have believed in Him. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Once a convict has served his term in jail, and once he goes before the governor, and the governor releases him, walks him to the front gate, lets him out of the prison, he is not a convict anymore. Amen. Amen. And he should not go around in society saying, I'm a convict. Because a convict is just someone who hasn't paid fully for their crime. Amen. Our sin was fully paid for. We are not convicts. And we are not sinners anymore. Amen. Paul didn't go around calling himself a murderer after his encounter with Jesus. He didn't. He said, okay, I'm the least of all the saints, but he didn't say I'm still a murderer. Amen? The woman caught in the act of adultery, we know her as that today. But I guarantee you, when she went around in those days after her encounter with Jesus, when people asked her who she was, she didn't say, I'm an adulterer. She didn't wear a big tag on her back saying, I'm an adulterer. Why? Because she wasn't. Amen? What you were in the past is not who you are today. Who you were when you came to know Jesus is not who you are today. Amen? Amen. So you were a sinner in the past. But you were saved by the grace of God. And you are not a sinner today. You are a child of the Most High God. Amen? Amen. When, the, when, when the prodigal son came back to Jesus, and I, again, I hate calling him that. I wish he had a name. I wish he was David or something like that or, or, or John or Michael. Because you know what? He's not the prodigal son anymore. When he came back to the father, the father didn't address him as the prodigal son. Oh, look, the prodigal son is back. No. What did he say? He said, my son. He said, my son has come home. Now his brother, (laughs) he didn't address him so well, did he? When he came back, his brother was saying, that son of yours. You just know what he said, don't you? He said, that fella there who went and took half of your kingdom who went off and spent it on prostitutes and and wild living and wasted it. He's come back and you're doing all this for him? But the father, who was a type of God, he said, my son, my son. You see, when we call ourselves sinners saved by grace, what are we doing? We're coming back to the father and we're saying, Father, I've sinned against you. I do not deserve to be called your son anymore. Just give me a job minding the the cattle there. Just just, just take me on as a servant, you know. I just want some place to live. And the father, he lifted him up, didn't he? 
You'll say, no, 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 no. That's not who you are. You are my son. And he put a robe around him. He put a ring on his finger. I, I mean, when we call ourselves sinners saved by grace, we are saying that we are still don't deserve anything that God gives us. Amen? Your future is in God's hands. Jesus paid the price for every one of your sins. You have been ransomed and you have been redeemed. Now look at this amazing passage in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 11. It says, And every priest stands ministering daily and offering repeatedly the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. Before Jesus came, you had this whole setup there in the, in, in the temple where the priest would come in every day and he would sacrifice a bull or a lamb or a goat or a dove or whatever for the sins of the people. Okay? But he had to do it every day. Before Jesus came, he had to do it every day. So I mean there was a string of animals lined up every day for the priest to come in and slaughter them, to spill their blood, to cover over the sins of the people. Okay? Because the blood of an animal could never take away sin. But when Jesus came, verse 12 says, But this man, Jesus, after he had offered one sacrifice for sin forever, he sat down at the right hand of God. When Jesus offered himself once and for all for sin, he didn't have to do it again the next day. Amen? When Jesus went to the cross once, amen, he offered himself as a sacrifice once. For all. And it says he wiped his hands together and he sat down at the right hand of God. Why? Because he had dealt with sin once and for all. Amen. Amen. When we call ourselves sinners as believers in God, we are saying that the power of the blood of Jesus Christ was only good enough for yesterday's sins. That I have to go back and I have to, to uh, use that blood again today. I have to put Jesus back up on the cross again today. Amen. Jesus went to the cross once and for all. Verse 14 says, For by one offering, how many offerings? One offering. He had perfected forever those who are being sanctified. You were, protect, per, you were perfected forever by that one sacrifice of Jesus. Not that we won't sin, we will. As long as we keep breathing oxygen, we will have opportunity to sin. What I'm saying is not calling yourself a sinner saved by grace is not a license to sin. Amen? Jesus said to the woman, again, caught in the act of adultery, go and sin no more. He doesn't want us to sin. He has given us the victory over sin. But when we do sin, we know that we are forgiven by the blood and the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen? Proverbs chapter 23 and verse 18 in the Passion Translation, it says, Your future is bright and filled with living hope that will never fade away. Church, we need to realize that our past is in the past. God wants us to keep looking forward. As Damien talked this morning about, about um, Peter taking his eyes off of Jesus, he sank. When he looked to the left, when he looked to the right, when he allowed the, the circumstances all around him to deflect his gaze from Jesus, he sank. Church, we need to allow God to direct our future. 
We need to keep our eyes on him. Your future is bright and filled with living hope that will never fade away. Living hope is found only when you put all of your trust in God for your future. Jeremiah 29, 11, and I know this is my summer verse. I've been using this all summer, but I want us to get it into our understanding, into our belief that this is a verse for you. All the promises of God, all the scripture in God is for you. Verse 11, it says, For God said, I know the thoughts that I think towards you. Thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. Put your future into God. Put your hope into God. Leave your past in the past. Amen. We don't need to be carrying around suitcases full of all of the weights of sin of the past. Leave them behind. Amen. Amen. Put them into the recycling bin. Let the bin men take them off. Let them be gone. Amen. Maybe that's an exercise that if you have stuff that's holding you down, if you have stuff that's keeping you back, maybe you just get a piece of paper this week and if you want, write it on it. Roll it up, throw it in the recycling bin, let the bin men take it, amen? Let it be gone. Let your sin of your past be gone, amen? God doesn't see you as a sinner still today. Why? Because he sees you through the filter of Jesus. If God saw you as a sinner today, he would still see sin on Jesus. When we stand before God, he doesn't see you. He sees Jesus in you. Amen? He sees Jesus in you. Because he stood in our place. He, he paid all of the price, all of the penalty for our sins. So what does that mean? That when you now stand before God, you don't stand before you and God. Jesus stands in the middle. Amen? Because he bore everything for me. All of my sins, all of my sickness, all of my shame. So when God looks at you, he looks at you through the filter of Jesus. So when he sees you, he doesn't see your mistakes. He sees that Jesus paid the price for them all. Amen? Amen? Don't let the enemy trick you into thinking that when you stand before God, God is going to see all your faults and failings. He won't. He'll just see Jesus. Amen? We've got to trust God with our future. 1 Peter, final scripture, chapter 5 and verse 7. It says we are to cast all of our cares, the stuff that went on in the past, the stuff that's going on today, all of the stuff that's holding us back. It says that we are casting upon Jesus, for he cares for us. Amen?